Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. Today I'm going to tell you a little story about Bhutan. Um, I've run half a dozen retreats in Uma, U-M-A, um, at, uh, in Paro. Now, Uma is a, a five-star resort. There's some in Bali and others places around the world, but the Uma in Paro is a spectacular hotel. And um, at one stage, uh, we, I ran a workshop with, I think, 35 people. I filled the hotel um, at, uh, between Christmas and uh, early January. Um, it was... It was a pretty powerful workshop, and uh, we did a lot of climbing. We walked up into the mountains, um, and I'm going to tell you this story and then ask you to tell me where the bullshit in the story is. Are you ready for it? It's quite interesting. Every single thing in this story happened. It's just maybe how I'm describing it. It didn't happen exactly how I described it. See if you can get it. Bhutan is um, a country renowned for the word happiness. It's, it doesn't have a GDP. It has a GHP. A, uh, uh, so they measure happiness instead of productivity. Um, uh, so its, it's entire focus is to make Bhutan a really happy place to be and it is um, one of the things about Bhutanese people is they're incredibly superstitious and they tell the most amazing stories which for me are stories for them are truth and one of those stories that is often told is about the tiger temple which you can walk up to. It's quite a high altitude temple. It's built on a cliff face. You can look it up on the internet. It uh, burnt down in some time. I can't really pick a date for it, but I think it was in the 80s due to an electrical fault and uh, a massive fire took place there. And the Swiss government volunteered to fund the rebuilding of it. And they struggled. Uh, with all the modern technologies and helicopters to put it all back together again. Inside the um, the Tiger Temple, which is obviously a very disrespectful name for it, but <laughs> it's the only one I can remember. Inside the Tiger Temple, there is a, a room with a statue. And you, one by one, you go up to the uh, prison doors that encase the statue. It's quite big. It's bigger than a human being. And you stand there. And um, it, it's said that if you stand there long enough, you'll hear a voice and the statue will speak to you. Um, I took 35 people up there on buses. We walked up the mountain and visited the temple and 50% of the people in the group heard the voice 50% didn't. We also went to different parts of the temple where ghosts were meant to live or sacred spirits of the people who had been there before. And, uh, 
and looked out over the mountains from the viewpoints of the temple. It was absolutely spectacular and, of course, bought souvenirs from all the people who had um, set up camp around the place. One of the things that uh, Bhutan is really proud of is uh, that it's that it's clean, um, that it's non-violent. Uh, they have a very strict policy on that. And the people are happy. And so we really enjoyed going to the big monasteries that are all around Bhutan, one of which was a nunnery. And if ever you look on my website, there's a picture of me laughing and just laughing out loud with a, a, a group of nuns. And their, their mouths are wide open in, in absolute hilarious laughter. And that was at a nunnery up in the mountains of Bhutan. Um, it takes a bit to get to some of these places. It's a day's walk up and a day's walk back, and so you, it's a very long day. But you really do in, get to enjoy, um, celebrate being with these most amazing people up in these amazing places. Another amazing place, which I have also photographs of on my website, um, was the burial ground. So... The traditional burial process for in Bhutan is that a monk will take you up to the burial ground and with a big um, machete chop you up into bits and the vultures know that there is food up there and the food is human food and they come up and so you'll be surrounded by a hundred huge, huge vultures. And for the Bhutanese people, it's very sacred that the bits and pieces of the body go to the vultures, but the brain can't. The brain is burnt in a fire because if a vulture eats a human brain, it gets very, very sick and can't fly. It's a, some sort of hallucinogenic, if I remember rightly. And so the vultures um, are fed every single bit of a human, bones and all, and they're very happy to fly off and eat them, um, except for the brain. You go up to this place and it's, it's quite weird because there are no body bits. There's a foot here and a foot bones, I mean, bits and pieces, but mostly it's prayer flags in celebration of the passing of a life up, up in the mountain. You come away from that quite uh, uh, haunted, you know, like it is really a, a lot of people have been chopped up up there. Um, and there are stones that are used for the chopping process. Um, in the main capital of Bhutan, it's, a, <clears throat> it's almost like a Buddhist city. As you may or may not know, uh, Bhutanese people are requested. They were required, but now they're requested to go to work and always be in, a un in the Bhutanese uniform. So the men wear a sort of a skirt arrangement uh, over their pants uh, and women wear long frocks. The haircuts in Bhutan are um, also pre-designed by the government and most women will wear a certain style of haircut over a certain age um, and men will cut their hair very short over a certain age um, to, sh to show complicity with the government and, uh, and devotion to Buddhism as a culture. There aren't many food restrictions in Bhutan. Uh, all the good foods are available and we ate very, very well at the restaurant. Uh, I remember 
um, the special night we had uh, that the the restaurant uh, again five star put on, which was to serve everybody a piece of steak, still cooking on a red hot um, uh, stone. Uh, it was a m- magnificent way to deliver a meal. Um, and of course, we had butlers and waiters and goodness knows what there that were available. There were our fair share of challenges. And one challenge I had in Bhutan, which sort of brought to an end my paradise of going there, <laughs> was, the, was the fact that there are many, many sacred caves in the Bhutanese mountains. And what the Bhutanese belief is that if you go down into one of these caves, there will be um, small gaps through which you pass your body. And in the passing through those small gaps, your sins are scraped away from you. So I took a one group of 20 odd people to uh, on a bus to one of these uh, caves, which was you went in halfway up the mountain, you came out nearly all the way up the mountain. So the, 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 the bottom and the top were about 200 metres separate. It's not a mountain, it's a hill. Um, it's a fairly steep hill. But you went in right in horizontally uh, to that hill about, I would say, 50, 60 metres in. Then you had to climb up through a very narrow cutting, which was where a lot of the sins were scraped out. And then you crawled on your belly out, um, to the outlet which was higher up on the mountain and we ha- had a, a lack of torches and so I'm at the back the very back of the group with the the, the rear guard um, and there was a, a guide at the front helping people through and a couple of others interspersed with the people but most of the time we spent in the dark and um, there were some very big people there including one lady who was rather big breasted and some of these narrow <laughs> narrow gaps to get through were quite small anyway everybody got through especially the vertical one at the end which is really tricky everybody got through you have to climb up vertically and squeeze your body through a gap before your legs which would dangle in midair were able to get another purchase and push yourself through up to the next uh, level and uh, everybody got through. It was amazing. And the guides were happy. Uh, everybody was happy except me. But <laughs> I got stuck. And I got stuck 60 metres into the... Uh, 60 metres horizontally in with a four or five metre vertical rise up and then another 60 metres out. I got stuck halfway or three quarters of the way up the vertical part, 60 metres in, in the dark. And uh, I just couldn't get my ribcage through the gap. And I squeezed and I pushed. And it became really apparent to me that the, the more I pushed, the further in I got, the more jammed I became. And I, so I started to realize there was no going forward um, it, it, unless I cracked a rib. Or, and there, very soon there'd be no going back because my ribs would be trapped. With this uh, thought going through my brain, I decided to retreat and I went all the way back down and came out the inway. To the laughter of everybody in the group, they thought it was the funniest thing they'd ever seen. Walker, 
the trip leader failed. But that was the Western way of seeing it. The Bhutanese way of seeing it was that I had so many sins that I just couldn't get them through the crack. And so by the time we got back to the hotel on the bus after having a picnic lunch, by the time we got back to the hotel from, from this event, everybody was looking at me. The waiters, the room service people, the reception, everybody was looking at me with absolute disdain. And, uh, and I laughed it off. I thought it was really funny. But to them, it was evidence that the, amongst them was a man carrying many, many sins who could not get rid of them and therefore was dangerous to be around. So over the next couple of nights, um, I, I, uh, I, I wrestled, I, I helped the group and I wrestled with this situation until it was time to go and uh and i must admit as the as the bus pulled out and took us back to the airport at paro i was kind of like happy to leave the memory of carrying so many sins through this crack <laughs> uh, leave the branding of me behind in the uma paro there's the story and that's where it's going to end. It's a nice little story. So where is the myth? Have you got any idea? Can you think about it? So what's really important in storytelling is, is to make sure the story has polarity. Make sure it has an edge where we defy the universal laws of nature. Right now, watching TV, we're watching um, the World Cup soccer on TV, or I watch the three-minute replays of any game. And you watch it, and if you watch that game and you didn't know the rules of soccer, like offside and uh, handball and uh, yellow cards for aggression, you'd be sitting there going, what the name of goodness are these people doing chanting and celebrating out and kissing each other when they kick the ball through the hoop at the end. You really would be confused as to what's going on. Well, if you look at life and you don't know the rules of life, it would be the same. And so telling a story is telling a story into the, into the mind where people don't know the rules of the game. They wish to know them, they think they know them, um, but they really would like, prefer the knowing the rules of the game because they don't want to be empowered. What they want is to be entertained. Now, entertainment is the extremism of a storyteller. So, for example, Bhutan wants to be the happiest place on earth. So let me just tell you a little bit of history behind that which is what everybody loves to hear. Bhutan is the happiest place on earth. And the um, GDP, no, GHP, they, they measure happiness as being their national uh, measure of performance. So Bhutan ethnically cleansed over 100,000 Indian and Nepalese people who had lived there for generations in the interest of purging out any non-Buddhist people from the country 
Now, that's the opposite to the Chinese with Tibet. What Bhutan did was purged out anybody who wasn't Buddhist, rather than Chinese purging everybody who was in, in Tibet. And so there is a dark cloud over the myth that it's the happiest. The second part of the story is that Bhutanese people are really happy. But if you go down away from the tourist destinations, which have been decorated to cause an economy within Bhutan, and go down to the bars in, the, in town, which are sort of off limits uh, when you go there as a tourist, but if you go down to the main street, you'll find the bars and the pubs full full of alcohol-embedded, alcohol-driven Bhutanese people. And so there's a massive amount of alcohol consumption goes on in the dark. The other part about Bhutanese culture is there's a lot of violence. They fight a lot. There's a lot of domestic violence, but it's unreported because it goes outside of the national identity. So when... When we hear a story about the happiest place on earth or a wonderful place or something that's really good, we want to believe it. We really do. But that makes us fools because the rules of soccer are the rules of soccer. Whether you want the ball to go in the goal or not, it must go in the goal for a score. The ball must be kicked past a person who's trying to stop the ball going through the hoop, etc., 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 the universal laws of life explain really how it is. It doesn't mean you can't celebrate the Bhutan myth. I recommend every human being on earth go to Bhutan, go to Paro especially, and enjoy the mythology of the country. Enjoy it. But to do that, and to do it really enjoyably with your family, you have to close one eye. You have to close one eye. When you go into the Buddhist monasteries and see the little kids who are monks already, not overly well looked after and well treated. When you go to the nunnery and realize the disdifferentiation between the males and the females in the Buddhist hierarchy, you've got to kind of like close one eye in order to go there and have a holiday and really enjoy the story. I think this is a really important little tale, not so that you become sceptical, but so you become wise and you don't try and live a myth. You know the difference between brand, which is putting on a story, as Bhutan does, and reality, which is there's two sides to everything. Everything evolves, nothing's missing. Uh, uh, gratitude and harmony is the thought power which which is what Bhutan is managing with their branding and everything's hierarchical there's always one at the top benefiting and there's also always many at the bottom suffering so I I hope this has been of value to you today the laws of nature um, are not just a, 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 a set of ideas they run the universe to know them is a profound gift in life because ultimately it's the source of all empowerment and the resilience to have that empowerment no matter where you are. This is Chris. You have a beautiful day. Oh, and a not so beautiful day sometimes. Bye for now. <laughs>